Welcome to The Exchange, a podcast from Grace Church, an independent Bible teaching church in Wichita Falls, Texas. In this podcast, we examine the world through a grace perspective and connect biblical truth in everyday life. Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Exchange Podcast. I'm your host, Nolan Smith. I'm the high school and college pastor here at Grace Church. And today, we have a very special guest with us. We have brought on a new staff member. So we are welcoming Caleb Carmichael to the staff. Caleb, thanks for being here today. Hey, I am so excited and honored to be here. Longtime listener, first-time caller. Yes. Can't believe I'm on the podcast today. Well, it is great to have you on here. So this has been your first week at Grace Church. We introduced you on Sunday for those uh, of, of our church family who were there on Sunday or watched online. They saw you. Uh, go up there, pastors and, and elders prayed for you and welcomed you to the staff. So uh, you are coming on, you are filling a now long-time vacancy on our staff, and uh, you're the young adults and community groups pastor, is that right? That's is that, right. Is that the, that the is. right title? Yeah, I think I think young adults and community. I don't there even it is. think okay. groups is in there, but okay. yeah. Young adults and community pastor. There we go. And so I, I want this episode just to be a chance for our our people here at Grace to to get to know you better. Uh, you had a couple minutes on stage last week, but um, this is just a chance to to go a little deeper and and hear some of your backstory and then some of your ministry philosophy and and ideas. So let's start kind of from the beginning. Why don't you just give us just a quick growing up, you know, where you grew up and and then kind of how you ultimately got into ministry. Yeah, perfect. So. I am born and raised here in Wichita Falls, so I love this town. I'm so excited to be back in my hometown. Um, Grew up um, here, grew up going to church all of my life, Um, came to know the Lord when I was around eight years old. Um, My mom would would have me in church every time the doors were open, so I was one of those kids that if the doors were open at church, I'm there. all throughout middle school and high school, I'm a follower of Jesus, but but really, quite honestly, I wasn't doing much to pursue that. It wasn't that I was a bad kid or rebelling. It just wasn't that I was passionately pursuing Jesus. That's I was unfortunate because every student in my ministry is like very mature and well. So it's basically basically it's because I didn't have you as my that's student. Probably, pastor. No, that's, that's probably that it? what it was. No, I was I was much more interested in sports and girls and hanging out with my friends than anything super spiritual. So pretty typical. Yeah, pretty yeah. typical <laughs> middle school and high school life. Um, As a junior in high school, though, I did feel a very distinct, clear call to ministry. Um, Went and talked to my student pastor about that. Uh, He gave me some advice and direction, and again, didn't do much with it. So felt this call to ministry, felt like that's what God wanted me to do with my life. Yeah. And from there, didn't do anything. Um, Just continued to live my life as I kind of always had. Didn't really pursue much after that. Um, it wasn't until my freshman year of college that God kind of got my attention. Um, kind of. That's kind a, of. That's a nice so way to say it. Yeah. Understatement, I guess. Yeah. yeah. So um, the very short story is one of my longtime friends had become addicted to meth, came over to my house um, and tried to kill me, took a knife, slit my throat, um, nearly died. Doctor said I should have died. Um, and as crazy as that day was, I tell people now, it was the, the worst day of my life and the best day of my life all at mm. the same time. That... Um, not to sound too cliche, but God used that as a wake-up call for my life, that I don't want to waste this yeah. life that he's given me. So it's that old cliche, almost got your necks <laughs> cut, killed, That's it. Um, and then came back to your Christian life. It's a story you hear that all old, the time. That, you know, old, that thing. old thing. <laughs> that uh, old. No, I mean, you've told, I've heard you tell that story a couple times now. Um, you've got is it CalebCarmichael.com? Is that yeah, that's yeah, right? yeah, yeah? So you've got that where people can actually go and just if you want the full story, yeah, the full thing. That's all it is on that website. There's even just, a couple pictures. There which are, are so which are intense. They're pretty intense. It's got the shows the scene where it happened and the crime scene, pool of the crime it's scene, wild. the the weapon, all of that. You can yeah. see it, um, see it on there. Just so. a just a crazy story and one that you've talked about being able to use that and share that with people, and uh, it's you know. The first time I heard it, I just my eyes were huge and my you know jaw was on the floor. I mean that's just such an intense story, but um, but you know it's funny you say the cliche thing. I get it. I get why you why you kind of qualify with that. Um, we you know I have a story where I 
you know, would say I went through sort of a, a tough time and that was how God got my attention. And, and it is my testimony. It's, it's my story and it's, I'm not ashamed of it or anything, but in terms of intensity, it's nowhere near what yours is. And so I, I think it's just cool that you've got something that, um, gosh, what a traumatic thing that would be, but to, to watch the Lord use that and, and like you said, make it into also the best day of your life, just because of how much he has used that to bring you back into the fold and now into ministry. So yeah. And it's really cool. I'll tell people all the time they, cause that is the reaction is I, people's eyes get big mm-hmm. and their mouth kind of hangs yeah. open. And it's, it's kind of fun for me now to get to watch people's <laughs> yeah, reactions. Right. Cause I've, I've told the story so many times, but, but a lot of people have that same reaction of, well, yeah. you're, you have this crazy testimony and that's, that's really cool. And I'm, and you know, I'm saying, well, tell me your story. And a lot of people's story might seem yeah. not as intense, you know, but, yeah, yeah. but praise God for that. Praise mm-hmm. God that if you grew up in a Christian home and mm-hmm. you didn't know some of the struggles that other people have had and you came to know the Lord and you walked faithfully with him, amen. Like yeah. that's an amazing testimony and don't ever be ashamed of and that. that's a so. great response on your part because, I mean, you've done student ministry, which we'll, we'll get to here in a second, but as a student pastor, I, you know, I have young people all the time to give me that exact line or something like it where it's, oh, I kind of have a boring testimony or whatever. And I think you're you're the perfect person to to be able to respond to that with a hey that that's totally okay right. you know, as someone who does not have a boring testimony who's got one of the more intense you know jarring stories about about really coming to the faith or 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 coming back I guess as you you would probably put it but uh, to be able to say that and go no you don't have to <laughs> you don't have to have my story. Right. And and while I'm thankful that God used my story the way He did, you definitely don't have to go there. Right. right? Yeah. And and all of us. I mean, we've mm-hmm. all been saved by yeah. grace that we don't deserve. That's an incredible That's testimony. A great point. Yeah. It's an incredible story of God's love and redemption, no yeah. matter the circumstances. That's right. So the, the big picture that we all, if if we've come to faith in Jesus, that we've all got as big of a or a bigger story right. than that. So yeah. That's absolutely. Great. Well, so, well put. So. So you had that happen. Yeah, and you were what freshman? In, I was a in freshman college. in college. Yeah, and so from then on, um, I really wanted to pursue that call to ministry. Wanted to, um, to to do what God had called me to do. And that's not saying that if if God has called you to something outside of ministry, it's not important. But just I knew that God had called me to ministry, and so I didn't want to waste my opportunity. Right. Um, with that, and so began serving um, at my home church, which was First Baptist here in which here in Wichita Falls and serving in, in student ministry there. Started um, by leading a sixth grade guys small group, which... Um, easiest thing in the easy, world. <laughs> easiest thing in the world. Oh my goodness, no. It was, um, they sat at your feet, they, listened to every... Very intently. Yeah, I don't know that they ever heard a word that I said. Um, you know, I, I don't know that I did anything helpful for any of those guys, but um, it was definitely a learning experience for me. Um, and that, that service opportunity actually led to a, a full-time position on staff at first um, here in town working in student ministry. Um, that's, that's where my ministry career, I guess, got started. So. And so, um, so you got into ministry. You, along the way, you met your wife. I did. So, so tell, tell us about Sam. She's incredible. So um, Sam and I, we don't know when we met. We went to the same middle school, same high school, same college, same church, all all growing up. So somewhere along the way, um, we met. I actually had a crush on her in high school, um, but she was out of my league. She was a grade older than me and just um, nice. didn't even have the time of day for, for someone like me, yeah. right? And so um, we actually didn't start dating until about halfway through college. Um, so we started dating. Um, she fell madly in love with me immediately. Obviously. That's the other, <laughs> the other way around, actually, the other way around. Um, I knew that I wanted to marry her a month after we started dating, and wow. um, it took her a little bit longer to, to come to that conclusion, <laughs> but <laughs> um, we got engaged um, in 2012 and married in 2013, and um, so I've been married seven years now, and so have, dated for two years. Dated for two years. Married now for seven. Married now for seven. We have one son named Grayson who's going to turn a year old next month, um, which is the craziest thing in the world. Feels like it was just yesterday that he was born. So yeah. that's how it happens. Yeah, yeah. And how is dad life? It's amazing. Um, it's absolutely exhausting and absolutely wonderful all at the same time. Yeah. Um, Sam has. I, I don't know if it's just a gift of motherhood or just Sam's gift, but she just knows what to do in any and every situation, and I don't have that gift. I, I know yeah. what to do in 
any situation. I have no idea what's going on. And yeah. so I'm very thankful for her, um, for her guidance and direction and patience with me as a, as a father as I'm trying yeah. to figure this all out. So It's definitely a cool experience to watch your wife um, do motherhood so naturally. Yeah, it's incredible. Thing. So that's great. Um, yeah, I actually knew Sam a little bit all the way back in, in high school. We had had some mutual friends and uh, and hung out a little bit. So uh, it was really cool to kind of see that come full circle and you guys wind up back here. Yeah. And um, we're super excited to have the whole Carmichael family here um, and uh, and to see y'all at church this Sunday and Grayson and, and child care over there with our kids. And uh, it's just going to be a lot of fun. It's fun. We are excited about it for sure. So let's talk ministry then. Yeah. Um, you know, we, you and I have now had this conversation a few times, but, but for our listeners, what, what for you is the best part of doing ministry? What do you love most about ministry and, and why? Yeah, I, I think my favorite part of ministry is, is really getting to build teams of people, um, equip people for the works of the ministry. So equip people in the church to be the church. Um, when I first started in ministry, I thought my job was kind of to do everything and be everything to everyone. Um, and very quickly I learned that I am not talented enough to do that, um, and it's not helpful for me or for anyone else to try to be every role in the church. Um, and so that that God's given people of the church different gifts, talents, abilities in order to to best serve the church. And so uh, my favorite part of ministry is, is helping people find their role, helping people find a place where they can fit in, where they can serve, where they can actually be the church in each other's lives. So. Nice. So you've, you've done ministry now in a few places. Why don't you real quick give us uh give us the 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 background where what are the the positions that you've held um where have you done ministry and you you mentioned uh the full-time job at first baptist so walk us through that real quick yeah so i came on staff at first here in wichita falls um i started as an associate high school pastor um moved into um the student pastor at the church at shepherd campus um and then from there uh, we moved to fort worth where i was a student pastor at a church in Fort Worth, a really creative name called North Fort Worth Baptist Church. Um, and so we served there for about five years. And so basically my whole ministry career has been with student ministry. And um, I'm thankful for that. And I think student ministry prepares you for just about anything because you do just about everything in student ministry. And so um, leading small groups and finding small group leaders and equipping people to do that and equipping um, students themselves to do the work of the ministry um, has all been stuff I've really enjoyed. So. Nice. So you've got a, a, a transition ahead of you now. You, you've come over, you started at Grace, uh, you're starting, you're the first young adults sl- and community pastor. Yeah. I mean, we've, had, we've had a young, it was a pastor who was in charge of young adults. Uh, I've even been in charge of small groups before, but never this specific position. So you've got a, you've got quite a, quite a, a transition ahead of, of really making this your own. So what are you most excited about now in these next few months as you come into Grace Church and integrate and get started on this? What are you looking forward to? Yeah, first and foremost, I'm excited about our community groups themselves, just about connecting with our leaders, um, seeing where they're at, seeing how I can best help serve and support and um, give them resources for what they need. I'm excited about building community. Um, I really do believe that that life change happens best in the context of community. Uh, I'm not saying it can't happen outside of that, but but that when we're in a real a vulnerable and honest um, community of believers, that that's where, that's where our lives can truly change and we can truly grow closer to Christ. And so I'm excited about being a part of what God does here at Grace through our community groups. And I'm also excited about walking alongside our young adults. Um, I fall into that category myself. And so I know a lot of the, the struggles that we face and a lot of the struggles that, that we're going through. And um, I'd love to say I have all the answers and can fix all the problems, but we know that's not true. But I, I look forward to walking alongside people. That's interesting you say that. I, I'm curious to know, obviously, as a and you've, you've been a student pastor, but for me personally, as a student pastor and college pastor, I, I think about the things that my people are facing, my, my teenagers and, and college students, and what they're going through and the, the sort of unique challenges that, that they face. So for you, what, are, what does that look like? You mentioned, you know, just knowing the struggles of, of the people in your ministry. What do you think are the big areas of concern and the, the challenges that, yeah. that your people face? I think um, I think we deal with loneliness a lot. 
I think we live in a such a busy and isolated world that it's that's hard to find that real community. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that for Sam and I, that was one of the struggles of moving to Fort Worth, where we didn't know anybody. It yeah. was it was just hard to for find sure. people to connect with, even within the church. It was uh, it was a lot of work to to do that and to to make those connections. Um, and and how do you feel like y'all were able to to do that? It took time and it took um, a lot of intentionality. I think for the first even couple of years, we kind of expected maybe naively that it was just going to happen. And, and I think we kind of had a wake up call that if, if we, uh, if we want to have community, if we want to have connections that we have to get out of our comfort zones and step out there and be vulnerable with people and, um, initiate those things. And so, um, I think intentionality, intentionality went a long way there. Um, I think it's, it is a, it's a struggle. I mean, I think it's, it's really easy, um, to be busy, right? To, to say, I have a lot going on. I don't have time. And we're both introverts. So it's really easy to be yeah. like canceling plans is one of our favorite hobbies, you know, like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, it's, totally. let's cancel plans and watch Netflix. But, um, we, at the end of the day, we understand that's not gonna, that's not what we need. That's not what we we're called to be a part of. So cool. Uh, you know, you, you've said this to me a couple of times about community groups and, and sort of your passion for them and seeing, seeing life change as you put it happen in community what is that on a on sort of a practical level what does that look like how do you see community groups meeting that need for for people that have the 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 sort of connection that leads to life change you put it i think um i think a real vulnerable community is something that you can bring your hurts to your pains your struggles your concerns your anxieties, the things that you're dealing with, um, a place where you can share those, where people can relate and understand and be praying for you in those things and, and truly meaning that they're yeah. praying for you. Um, and at the same time, the opposite side, it's someone that can really celebrate you, right? That someone that when things are going well, they're they're there to, to cheer you on, that um, they're encouraging and supporting you. Um, at the same time, the other side, they're challenging you, right? They see an area of your life where maybe, hey, there's where you need to grow and they're going to to challenge you there or hold you accountable. I think all of those things um, are beneficial. And I think all of those things are difficult because they require vulnerability. They require us to be real. Mm. And I think it's pretty easy to to put on a, a front and say like, how are you doing? Well, I'm fine. Like, But, yeah. but really, how are you doing? Yeah, and, for sure. Um, I, think, I think if you can get a, a close group of people who are trusted with each other, that you can actually go a little deeper there and um, experience some real life that you might not experience otherwise. Yeah. So this question has got uh, probably needs a little bit of a qualifier in that a you you haven't you've just started right so, so you don't you're still gonna have a, a period of time where you get in and, and sort of feel things out and learn the the different community groups that are here and the, and the people and all of that so that obviously with that sort of being understood you mentioned vulnerability and that it's just sort of the the general challenge that vulnerability is for people what other challenges or obstacles do you see or could you potentially see to making that kind of atmosphere that you're talking about difficult i mean you know i think we can all agree that like that's not a default mode for people is to just we don't just like fall into close-knit groups of people where everyone trusts everyone and we share things and we are real vulnerable and we pray for each other every day and we, you know, commit to uh, life change together. And, blah, blah, you know, all the, just all that, all of that is not a default mode. Right. It's a, it, it takes effort. And yeah, if it, if it was default mode, we wouldn't have hired uh, somebody <laughs> right, to oversee right. that. So, so just like, what are the kind of struggles that you have either seen before or could potentially see as obstacles to, to doing that? I think like what you just said, it's, it's difficult to be vulnerable. It's difficult to be real. Um, even, even within, your own family, sometimes it's difficult to, to have these kind of relationships, right? Sometimes it's just easier to just go along instead of being open and honest. And so to expect people to come into a group of people who aren't their family, who, you know, start out as strangers yeah. at some point and then get to a level where we're saying we're going to open up with our lives. That's a, that's a big ask. That and is. and I understand that. I don't have any expectations of saying, here's what we're going for. Right. Just go do it. Right. I think it takes time. Yeah. I think it takes, um, like I keep saying the same word, but intentionality, I think it mm-hmm. takes, um, even within a group, maybe defining the relationship, right. You know, you get the to that point, DTR. Where, DTR, you yeah. know, it's like, 
are we are we just meeting to meet or we really want to to see something happen here and if if yeah. we come together and as a group and decide that's what we want to do i think it makes it at least something that's out there that we can work towards right. yeah. um and then i mean honestly it starts with trust with trust in the lord and more than yeah. even a trust in another person because we all have been hurt, right? We've all been burned. We've opened up, we've been vulnerable and, and someone has taken advantage of that or hurt us in that. And so it's just easier to say, well, never again. Um, but I believe that God has created us for relationships, that, yeah. that God has wired us with a need for mm-hmm. human interaction and human connection. Um, and so that if God has designed us for that and that, if, um, that we trust in God, that we trust in God's provision and protection and guidance and all of those things, then and we have to be willing to trust God with, with other people and how they respond to us when we are vulnerable. And yeah. um, that's not saying, well, I'm trusting God, so I'm never going to be hurt again. No, you probably will be. Yeah. Uh, you probably right. will be tomorrow, right? But, but I would say I think it's worth it. Um, yeah. I think it's worth the risk. Um, I think the, the benefits that we gain in relationships with yeah. others and our relationship with Christ um, are worth the, the pain that we might go through to get there. Yeah. So, yeah, you know, I've I've been in a few different versions of like a community group, you know, going back all the way to probably college, and and I, I think for for me one of the things that I've found to be maybe one of those obstacles is all the things that you've said, but also I think there's a there is a sort of artificial, um, I don't know what the right word artificial. Co- connection or artificial maybe maybe artificial intimacy is a good way to say it where authentic intimacy is like genuinely opening up to other people and and really uh, trusting them with what's going on inside your heart and in your life and trusting them to encourage and pray for for those things and to to walk with you in them, to not betray your trust yeah. and talk about it openly with other people, all, the, all of those things. I think that's like the, uh, the authentic intimacy. And then there's this sort of artificial version of it that is so prevalent in our world. And it's, you know, you can see it in something like social media yeah. where people seem to seem to be sharing their lives with others, but they're, they're not sharing like, actual deep intimate parts of their life so so you know artificial intimacy i guess would be like i'm gonna share my life with you but i'm not gonna go real deep in that and and as long as i can pretend or convince myself or convince other people that i'm sharing with this person or these people then i don't have to share you know the hardest things i can just share some things and then call it a relationship, call yeah. it intimacy. And I, and I think that probably, you know, going back to what I said earlier about it, it's not our default to like be real open and intimate and vulnerable in a group like a, a group setting. You know, our default is to, uh, to protect ourselves, to put up walls. And, and so when we want to maintain that and we want to keep the walls up, We'll do the. We'll go to the community group or the whatever it is, and we'll go and we'll, quote unquote, participate. But it'll it'll be in a way that we can check it off the list without doing the hard work, yeah. without doing the dangerous part. You know where I actually did have to open up and I had to share. So, as an example, maybe, and, and this is I'm just like thinking of what this might look like. You know, you might have a couple who's like going through a really difficult time in their marriage, maybe considering divorce or they're in the process of getting a divorce or whatever, and they show up to their community group. And it's like, yeah, so we, oh, man, we had a hard day the other day. The, right. You know, there was a leak in, in the garage, and, you know, that was, you know, it's like, so pray for that, or, you know, help us, you know, maybe maybe if somebody wants to come help us fix the leak. or When it's like, but that's not what's going on in your life. Right. That's right. not the hard part. And so I think, that's what I've seen in a lot of settings is is this sort of artificial intimacy where we can convince ourselves and we can convince other people that yeah, I'm doing the community thing. I'm doing the the walking with other people and letting them walk with me thing, but they're not really doing that. Yeah. You know what I mean? I do, absolutely. And I mean I'm I'm guilty of that just as I don't want anyone to hear this and be like, 
I've got this figured out. And well, that's I'm, why we hired you. Yeah, right. You're, you don't do any of that. Right. Yeah. You're perfect. That's it. Yeah. And so, I mean, it is. It's a. It is a challenge. It's. A, it's really easy to share a symptom and without getting to the disease or yeah. something like that. You know, it's. Yeah. I share this one little thing, and well, I was open and vulnerable, but I didn't really talk about what's actually going on here. Um, I have a friend, one of my long, long time friends, and we've been friends for for years, and we've had. Uh, for the most part, our relationship um, was based on sports or whatever we were interested in, and um, we would never talk about anything deep or real. Every once in a while, something may be kind of serious, and it wasn't until one of us went through something pretty tragic that it it opened the the gate to like, okay, this can actually be something more. And um, you know, it took years for that to happen. So I, I don't have any expectation of someone walking into a community group their first night and you know, right. divulging yeah. all their secrets. Like I, I don't, for sure. Uh, um, not trying to be naive there. Yeah. Um, right. But I think if, if what we're aiming for, what we're shooting for with a community group, um, we have a vision of, we want this to be a place where you can actually connect with people. Mm-hmm. You can have people who are there for you, people who will come over to your house to fix a leak if, yeah, right. if they know how. I mean, I, I, I know we're, that's not the real issue, but but that's helpful and things like that. That's part of doing life together, right. being, as we would say. Being, yeah, yeah, doing life together, being the church together, mm-hmm. um, and and even pastoring each other. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, um, you know, as a student pastor, you, you have a lot of students. You, mm-hmm. It's hard for you to, to connect deeply with all of those right. students, right? But you have leaders right. who can do that and, and things, and that's what a community group really can be in a church, especially... Um, this, a church the size of grace. We're we're a big enough church that the pastors can't know every single person in the church very intimately right. well. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you want to be known here, I would hope that a community group would be a place where you can feel connected, yeah, you can feel great. known, and you can feel cared for. So. Yeah, for sure. So that may that may even sort of at some level be the answer to this next question. But I'll give you a chance to interact with it more if you want. You know, assuming you, you, you're able to get in and really implement your structure and your philosophy here, and, and let's just, you know, fast forward down the line several months or whatever the case may be. You got somebody who comes and says, why should I join a community group? Thinking about doing it, why should I join? Like, what, what would you tell them in, this, in, in terms of what you, ideally, what, what, does, what purpose does it serve for them when they're going, should I do this? Why should I do this? I mean, how would you answer that? Yeah, it, we go back to what I just said, but yeah, absolutely. It's it's a place where you can feel connected, where you can feel cared for, and where you can feel known. Mm-hmm. That um, Grace Church does an excellent job of teaching the scriptures, of of teaching the Bible. Yeah. You're, you're if you come to Grace for any length of time, you're gonna you're gonna know your scripture. You're gonna know what yeah. the Bible says. You're gonna know how to apply it to your life. You're gonna know these things. Um, but I know just from experience, it's really easy to walk into a church, sit in the back row. Um, gain some information, some knowledge, and walk out and never never talk to anyone, never yeah. make a connection. Yeah. And, you know, even with, with ABFs, you could do that, but it's a pretty it's a pretty good-sized group, right? You yeah. you could be anonymous there if you if you really wanted to be, but um, if you want to feel connected here, if you want to feel like someone knows your name, right. knows your story, knows what's going on in your life, and actually cares about mm-hmm. you, um, that's why you should join a community group, because yeah. it, it makes the big church feel small. Oh, I like that. That's yeah. good. Yeah. You know, we t- when we were talking about this, you know, before we sat down for this podcast, and and you said some things that that were so they were so similar to things that I've talked about over and over in my ministry, which was going back to what we're made for and how we're created, and you you even use like the same phrases and the same you know scriptural references that I do, which is we're made for relationship with people and with God. And that primarily, like our, our greatest need is our need for a relationship with God, and then when we and then we have this need for connection with people. And you, you cited the, the garden, yeah. Adam and Eve, that God created Adam, saw that there was a need that Adam had. God didn't fill that need; He created someone else to fill it. And, right. And and we always, you know, and and as pastors, we we will cite that, and I've heard a lot of pastors do this when we we say. That's the only pre-fall longing that we exactly. have. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So that, so when we, to to know that we long for connection with other people, and obviously with God, but the the, it would be easy to assign that to like oh, I'm just a broken person. Like this is right. just part of the whole like human condition. I just, you know, need God to redeem this, and I need to I need to suppress this longing or fight against it and not 
you know, try and try and fill the void with idols or whatever, um, which is all kind of the Christian Christian-y right. kind of way of talking about it. And, and as pastors, we go, no, that like that's actually how you were intended to be. I mean, like the fact that you desire community and and interpersonal connection is not a flaw. It's not a it's not a uh, you know a, 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 an error in the DNA or whatever. It's that's how God made you. Yeah, and it was intended that way so that we would we would seek out connection with other people. And, and so I th- it's just such an interesting point that, that could fall under the radar a little bit, but in any ministry philosophy, it's got to be right there at the forefront. Yeah. It's got to, it, because, because you have that theoretical person that you're talking about who comes and says, well, why should I join a community group? You know, and for you to say, well, because it's a place for you to be known and to connect and, and, to be cared for, you know, the, the sort of question that it begs is, well, what if I don't care about that? What if I don't need that? And I think what's so important about what we're talking about is to say that is to deceive yourself yeah, and is to lie about how you're created. Anybody that says, I don't need that stuff. Number one, I don't know that they really believe that. Like, I don't know that I've ever met a person who could with a straight face say, I don't need other people. I don't, I don't need connection without either lying or completely f- ignoring the reality of like when you shut yourself out and when you have put up walls and 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 distance yourself from other people and not connected in relationships it's a bad thing and you can tell right, right? you can feel that you can sense that I mean, so it, yeah solitary confinement the the worst yeah, thing right? the worst punishment we've come up with as a society is solitary confinement right. is removing someone from everyone else i mean yeah. we we know, like our criminal justice system knows that it's yeah. not good to be alone. Yeah, right? and yeah, so. exactly. And and so, um, you know, and this is this is what we, you know, learn in in studying psychology and and people who are suffering is, you know, you get into the there's that old I, I don't know if you've seen I say old I don't know how many, it's probably ten twelve years old I don't know. Uh, are you familiar with the Brene Brown yeah. uh, empathy mm-hmm. talk? You know, she gives that talk on empathy, and it's really great. I mean, she's not a, a Christian, but she's a psychologist who talks about this, and it's this really great illustration of like empathy is recognizing that a person who's struggling and who's hurting, and and probably, you know, the in her uh, illustration is just depressed. Mm-hmm. It's like the the thing they need more than anything is not advice. They don't need people pumping optimism into their, you know, like, oh, at least you've got this. At least this is still true. At least blah, blah. they don't need that. They need someone else to be there with them. Right. And and they need somebody to climb down into the dark hole that they're in and with them. And I think it's so funny because that went viral. That video went viral. If you've ever seen the Brene Brown, you can, you know, YouTube Brene Brown empathy. And it's just this little animated short yeah. Uh, it's really helpful, really cool. But what's funny, it's like years of psychological research led her to this conclusion. It's like you just stumbled on the biggest truth of the Bible. Right, <laughs> you know, right, like, yeah. Like that that this is what God, this is how God created us in the, in, from the very start. But also this is so, you know, when you zoom out and look at what the, the story of the Bible is, it's Jesus stepping down into our condition, into our suffering showing that we're not alone. He's not a God that staying that stays up in his dwelling place and looks down and goes, well, you can figure this out for yourselves or, or I'll give you some helpful information and then let you work with that. It's like, no, I'll come down there with you. I'll suffer with you, you know, and, and I'll, and then I'll even suffer for you. Right. And, and it's this picture of like empathy at its greatest. And, and just speaking to that reality about us that, we're not made to be alone. Right. We're not made to be isolated. We're not made to hide our struggles to try and do them, you know, handle them ourselves. So that a community group at its best gives us all of those things. Yeah. It gives us a, an outlet. I mean, I even this is this is true for me, even just like yesterday I sat down with Joe, who's one of our other pastors and been on here a lot, you know, one of Joe's greatest gifts among many is 
his counseling ability. I mean, people go to Joe for counseling all the time because he's just so great at it. And and I, I sat down with Joe and I was like, Joe, I'm struggling with some anxiety. And I, you know, told him about some things that are going on in my life that are just giving me, you know, a lot of anxiety and stress. And I and I told him about it. And as we talked, you know, and he's great. He says, thing. He, you know, he responds really well and offers a lot of helpful wisdom or or ask helpful questions but at the end of it what he'll what he said was don't you just feel better for saying it out loud right now and I was like I really do yeah like I just had somebody that sit there and listen to me say it and I felt better yeah. you know and which is just it it it's that reality about who we are and how we're made yep. that the community group can offer us people to listen to us when we need that just kind of venting yeah it can, it can be the place where people see who we are at our worst yeah. and stay with us stay with and us, love right. us. Um, the people who know the hardest parts of our life that we're struggling with and and walk with us through them. Right. So it's like those are all the things that a community group at its best can offer. And when you think of it in those terms, it's like who shouldn't be in a community right. group? You know, who, who wouldn't want to? Exactly. And I'll flip that too is say – that person says, well, I don't need any of that. Say they could make that argument for themselves. I say, well, even if that's true, Jesus' greatest command to us is to love God and to love others. And to love others means you have to be involved in their lives. It's, you know, to truly love someone, like you said, to see them at their worst, to see them with their struggles, and to still love them and care for them and provide for them. Um, You can't do that at a distance, right? And so even if you say, well, I don't don't need that um, for me, what I think a community group does is it lets you live out that commandment. It lets you love others in a very real way that's more than just being nice to the waiter at the restaurant and buying someone Starbucks behind you in line. Those are great things. Like, yeah, I'm not right. saying we shouldn't do those things, but um, if you look at the early church that selling their possessions, they had everything in common. They're, they're, they're loving their neighbor, mm-hmm. right, as themselves. And I think if, if we're not careful... It's really easy to just go through the motions of our lives and not truly sacrifice for anyone else other than maybe the people in our family. And I think that's another another thing a community group offers us is the chance to be the hands and feet of Jesus. Yeah. So I, before we before we kind of move into the final section that we'll talk about here, it, I, I wanted to to give you a chance to share if if there was anything that you feel like previous ministry experience. Again, this is your first. This will be your first time in young adult ministry yeah. and specifically with working with community or small groups. So in your previous ministry, what what lessons have you learned? What what do you think that maybe the most valuable or the biggest takeaways you've you've gotten from those those experiences are? Uh, yeah, that I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> and I say that I say that to mean this is that um like you just said with Joe is you voicing your problems, you felt better. You were, you were helpful. It was helpful for you. Um, so often I, I feel the need to fix a problem or come up with a brilliant solution on my own, um, rather than leaning on the dependence Mm -hmm. of of the Holy spirit and leaning on God's dependence there. And so, um, if my time in ministry has taught me anything, it's that God doesn't really need to use me. Mm -hmm. I'm just, that it's, I'm lucky that he wants to. Mm. And so working with young adults and working with our community groups, I, I want to be a resource and I want to yeah. help in, in any way that I can. And I want to fix problems if I'm able to, but, but so often I know that what I really want to do more than anything is point you back to Jesus and point you back to, to the work that the Holy Spirit's doing in your life. And so that's awesome. That's great. Well, uh, we'll close with this. I wanted to add, I'm going to give you sort of some rapid fire questions. Come on. Let you, let you answer these. Um, there's you don't have to answer them super fast, but I'll just go through these real quick and uh, and some things that I I think all very important topics, of course, important things that people need to know about you before they can trust you as uh, a absolutely a pastor. Okay, so uh, so we'll start we'll start deep theology or Bible topics that you're most interested in. Theology or Bible topics that I'm most interested in. Um, that's a great question. I. So I lean, my favorite book of the Bible is James because I lean towards practical. That's just, that's just who, just my wiring. I'm a very practical person. And so, um, and it might be just because I'm not that smart. I'm just like, (laughs) Hey, what do I do? Like, God help me to live. And so, um, I lean practical on, on just about anything. Um, but, uh, 
but I enjoy a good theological debate. Like I like I like to argue. Just it's a it's a love language to me. Um, so if we want to debate something, let's sure, let's we'll, do it. I'll lose the debate, we'll but I a, won't. We'll do a special episode where we just argue. Oh that. man, that'd be great. <laughs> All right, favorite hobby. Favorite hobby, sports for sure. Okay. Um, after that's food. So cooking or trying new restaurants or going to eat or things like that. That is. That leads me right into my oh, there we next go. two questions. Didn't mean to take it from you. Uh, next question would be favorite restaurant. And you can do maybe, I think this is one I asked you at our staff sort of Q&A. You know, Wichita Falls doesn't have just the greatest variety of options. You came from the DFW area, so you had some there. So maybe favorite overall. And then if there's, if, if you're, you know, limited to just Wichita Falls options, what would be your favorite? Okay. Here? So my favorite overall restaurant is a place called Rayada. It's in Sundance Square in Fort Worth. So if you ever want like, Kind of a nice date night getaway. Head to Rayada, Fort Worth. As an appetizer, you need to order the tenderloin tamales, the beef tenderloin tamales. And nice. then the entree, you need to get the carne asada with the cheese enchiladas. But then you need to sub the cheese grits out. You need to put those in instead of the rice. That's the order there. Holy cow. That's so, specific. Yeah, absolutely. But listen, as a lover of enchiladas, I respect it. There we go. It's Some perfect. Of my favorite foods. Um, and then here in Wichita Falls, I love I love the classics, right? You get Parkway and Samurai. Um you know, the, the burger spots in, in Wichita Falls are great. Um, my favorite is Scott's, and I know that's a controversial answer there, but it's up I'm there a, for me. I'm a fan of Scott's. I go jeans first for yeah. my favorite burger, okay. but it's yeah, up yeah. there. So that's good. Um, and then Hibiscus is is my is my favorite spot in town, a little Greek place on up by the base. It's it's just, fantastic. I just can't go there with you. I just can't <laughs> get to the Greek. The Greek, it's not my thing, but that's okay. All right, and then you said sports. So what's your favorite sport? Basketball is my favorite sport um, to play, and I really enjoy watching NBA basketball, but I also love love watching football, college and, and NFL. Um, football and basketball are my two favorites for sure. So that, this is where we are right on the same page. So that's great. So next question has to be Jordan or LeBron. I love Michael Jordan. I grew up um, a Michael Jordan fan. I have a picture of me when I'm one year old wearing – the Jordan Fives, the original, the year wow. that came out. Like so, Jordan fan my whole my whole life. How much Jordan Fives for a one year old cost? I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I wish I still had them. They'd probably be worth That's way true. more. Um, but with all that being said, I think LeBron James is a better overall basketball player than Michael Jordan. And I know I just threw myself under the bus with that one. So yeah, yeah. I'm sorry for the. You're, we're gonna we'll get more mail, get more emails mail. yeah. for this one episode just for that, just than, for that than right than there. Any other one before. Uh, beach or mountains? Mountains. Um, Amen. I like the beach, but the mountains for sure. What I, what was I watching yesterday? And they were talking about the beach, and they were like, the beach has. They were talking about all the things that the, the beach has that you can't get at other places or something like that. And it was like, the beach has sand that gets everywhere, all over you. Yeah, the beach has it. salt water that goes up your nose. The beach has sun that burns you. Yeah. Which I guess you could get that other places. That's true. Um, but for me, here's the thing. The ocean offers a million ways to kill you. That's, I mean, that's true. everything in the ocean wants to kill you. That's true. And, I, you know, in a, it's not my natural habitat, so I'm at a disadvantage there. I can't see most of the time when I'm at the beach. I can't see in the water. Don't like that. Yep. So I am just not a big beachgoer. Yeah, it's, it's overrated. I mean, the sand yeah. gets everywhere. It sticks with you for forever. And yeah. all the things you can do at a beach, you can do in a lake without the sand you got it i know now i will say this i went to destin florida one time and that was pretty awesome yeah white sand crystal clear water that really that was cool yeah. so if i had to go to the beach uh, give me destin yeah but i am a mountain guy through yeah and through. absolutely like colorado you can do so much more all I year round up there winter is oh, great in the mountains summer is great in the mountains so so true it's, it's great and it's just so much to me like the scenery yep you see like you got the beach and it's sure it's pretty but it's just like it's all water. Yeah. It's right? the same thing. It's just, yeah. Everywhere you look, it's all the same. The mountains are so much cooler. I, yeah. I'm with you. Uh, favorite TV show or movies? Favorite TV show is The Office. Um, yeah. Absolutely. I've, I've spent way too much of my life watching The Office. It's pretty embarrassing, but. No, it's not. Okay. Okay. Because so I've probably spent just as much. I, what? How many and, times? And I, how many and times I don't through? want you. I don't want it to be embarrassing for you because then it's embarrassing for me. Okay. It's not embarrassing. I'm yeah. watching it again right now. Mm -hmm. No shame. Um, I'm back. I'm on season three, which is the best season. And <laughs> this is I, dude. Since it's on Netflix, so it's I like know, it's 
I don't have to pop in a DVD right. or, or anything like that. So it's a little too accessible. Uh, probably watched it all the way through 10 times. Okay, I'm not embarrassed at all now. I'm at, okay. I think I'm at six is yeah. my is my. Now, is granted, my those aren't all... I wouldn't say that's like... I don't sit down and watch The Office all the way through every time. Right, right, right. But like while I'm doing things, I turn it on. I think a lot of people do that, yeah, though. Yeah, I, I made Sam watch it for the first time within the last year or so she had ne- she had never seen it and she was like oh my god it's it's dumb it's stupid i don't i don't like it i'm like you just got to give it a chance because wow. i knew i knew she would fall in love with jim and pan i just True. i had to get her to that point yeah and then she watched it all the way through and she said it's not bad i'll even i'll even watch it again all right so but now they're taking it off netflix so you just got i'm just going to have to pay the money for nbc's yep. service whatever it is yep yeah uh movies favorite movie favorite movie i think f- um, Forrest Gump is probably my favorite movie of all time. Okay. I know it's it's a so I don't I'm not a crier like in movies and mm-hmm. stuff like not like because I'm big macho man like there's I don't it's just not a thing like I don't it doesn't movies don't make me cry except Forrest Gump and I will cry. What every, part of Forrest Gump makes you cry? Is every it, is it the part when he asks if he's single if his son time, is smart. Yeah, that yeah. one. And then when he's talking to Jenny after she's already yeah. Spoiler alerts after she's already died. Like I if you haven't yeah. seen Forrest Gump, that's on you. But every time I don't know I don't know man. So I get, get it. Me. I mean, I I get that you cry at that part. I don't get why that's the only. Movie I don't either. That makes you it's cry. It's weird. I c- but I get it. I, it's okay. Yeah. All right. Okay. It, and it's, it's your favorite movie because it makes you cry. Like it's the only know. movie that stirs your emotions. Maybe. <laughs> I, so I guess. <laughs> so maybe I'm cold and heartless, and it's like yeah. I, I can feel. No. Okay. I don't know. It's I. It's a great movie. It is. It, I'm not going to argue with that. So favorite music, whether a band or a so I I completely appreciate genre. that I am not um, cultured and I'm I'm not I have zero musical talent. So hey, I you were asked the other day what your favorite painter is. Yeah, well and I, like, that really exposed me yes, as, as not being here. cultured. I could not have <laughs> answered that either. So. Um, but I uh, music's a little easier. Than music's painter. a little easier. I don't. Um, I don't listen to a ton of music, really. I, if I'm in the car, I listen to a podcast most of the time. And, um, okay. But I do unashamedly love Justin Timberlake. Um, yeah. I have I have no shame in admitting that. Yeah. Um, from the in-seek days all the way to to Man of the Woods, I'm I'm in with Justin Timberlake. If you weren't with him at, at in-seek, you can't be with him at Man of the Woods. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, okay. So. Second to the exchange, what's your favorite podcast? What's your second favorite podcast? It's a great, it's a great, yeah, my second favorite podcast, <laughs> distant second favorite. Um, I really, I've been liking Malcolm Gladwell's revisionist history lately. Um, I think I listened to like the first episode, he, and I haven't um, gone back to it. Yet. He thinks about life in a basically a, the exact opposite way I think about yeah. life on nearly everything, yeah, but he's I very think, interesting. Um, I think he's brilliant. I mean, just the way he can, he puts together his, his seasons in these mm. kind of um, grand universal theories each yeah. season and um, makes connections that I never would have made That's outside cool. of that. And even if I don't agree on all of his points, I just, I love the perspective. So yeah, it's interesting for sure. Any, you've been, you've been listening to any fantasy football podcasts getting ready for the season? I've been reading a lot. I have. I've been reading a lot of <laughs> blogs. And so that's what I hear. Um, yeah. I was talking to... Got to get ready. I was talking to Parker, and he said when he was your intern, he, he didn't hear anything coming out of your office except fantasy football podcasts. So yeah. he kind of threw you under the bus there. Wow. So just, just throwing that out there. Well... We're in a we're in a fantasy league together this year. It's gonna be fun. It's gonna, it's gonna uh, be fun for me. Yeah, second place is okay. I oh, guess. okay. I don't, okay. Yeah. All right. So, and then favorite book or author. So for fun reading, if I'm just reading on my own, I really like John Grisham. Um, mm-hmm. My grandmother got me into John Grisham, and so I, I have every single book he's ever written that I got mm-hmm. from her, and um, they're just they're super fast short reads that I. Do you like the movies? Um, not as much. Um, they're not bad. Um, I mean, there are very few movies that I think that are, that are as good as the book. Oh, you're one of those people. Yeah. I'm not like in a snobby way. It's just, you can get so much more detail. Oh, maybe I am. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) You can get so much more detail in a book that you can't get in a two hour movie. And so, um, but the runaway jury, I think is, is a really good movie, um, that, that I'd watch compared to the book. I think it does a good job. So, and then biggest ministry or theological influences or mentors um that's a good question as well so um so jerry royal here in town was my student pastor cool. growing up and so he was um 
he was kind of what got me into student ministry to start with. And so I always kind of looked up to, to Jerry there. Yeah, he is good people. Um, the whole Royal family, they're good. For sure. Good, good people. Um, and then, and then outside of that, um, outside of just personal experience, there's, you know, a few authors that, that have had an impact. Really, Andy Stanley has had a huge impact on just leadership, just the way, um, not necessarily theological, but just his leadership, Mm. um, how he approaches leadership, I think it's yep. been extremely helpful. Um, I'm getting back into C.S. Lewis here. So I, I read C.S. Lewis as a kid and read a lot you of... You have and, to for us to have something to talk about. Yeah, and I read, and I, you know, I read Mere Christianity and things like that back in college. And um, I haven't read a... I did a seminary paper actually on C.S. Lewis, a biography of C.S. Lewis. And, um, but then since then, I Which haven't read... Which one was it? McGrath. Okay. Um, and it was good. C.S. Lewis is fascinating. Yeah. Um, but is that boy named Jack? Or no, which one is that? It's just like the title is just C.S. Lewis. Okay, it's just okay. um, and so, but it's good. Um, so I've been reading. I just re started rereading the Chronicles of Narnia in the last <sighs> month or so. Um, so with COVID, good. they're incredible. So I read them as a kid, mm-hmm. and they were like, "Yeah, this is a good story." And now rereading them, it's like, it oh, bl- it'll blow your mind. Yes. Oh yeah. my gosh! It, I had to like put the, yes. the first. Uh, I had to put it down and just be like, "Yeah, ah, yeah, they're great." There, so, I think I've said this on even on this podcast before, but outside of the Bible, there is no l- literature that has shaped my view of God more than the Chronicles of Narnia. Yeah, which is which is like I get how that sounds, but like truly, that's how profound those books are, yeah. and how profound his writing is. That he could write a children's book that would do more to like teach me about Jesus, than, right? Than just about anything else. I mean, they're they're incredible. So. so it's great. I I recommend it to anybody, no matter how old they are, especially sure. adults, even. You know? Yeah. So, all right. Well, you're off the hot seat now. There we so, go. Thanks for joining me today. It's good to have you on the podcast. Even better to have you on staff. Excited to, that you and Sam are here, and looking forward to what the next few months and years have for us. Yeah, man, it's been awesome. Thanks for having me. All right, well, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks for joining us, and have a great week.